Bibles this morning, open the book of Ephesians chapter 5, book of Ephesians chapter 5, and while you're turning there, let me just make mention, uh, of course, last uh, Sunday was our uh, giving Sunday for our building fund, and uh, last week we had uh, close to $11,000 come in, we had $10,900 come in last week, and so uh, that was a great day, um, and we praise the Lord for that, and so that, with everything else that's been given, I think almost 22000 and stuff, um, do we have the total number up there? Is the total number that's been given uh, up there? I'm not sure. Uh, there it is. Nope, that's not the total number. Anyway, so 22000 whatever that is, plus the other 10900 uh, that was given. Uh, and so praise the Lord for that. So all of that will be going to our building fund. And so uh, that's just uh, so great. God's been so good. And then uh, our missions update. Let me give you a little bit of update about that. Uh, November. Uh, our goal, uh, our giving for November was $8,558.66 uh, for November. And we needed to be, at the end of November, we needed to be at $103,384.80. That's where we needed to be. And uh, at the end of November, what our year-to-date giving so far has been $109,509.86. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, again, our goal this year is 112. I think we're probably going to make that. I, I, not sure, but I, I think it's probably a good, good bet that we'll be able to make that. And so uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, again, all of that goes for our missionaries um, overseas and things. And so um, we thank God for what he's doing through our missions giving. Uh, and then if you weren't here last week, our, our new goal for 2024 is right at 119,000, I believe, and uh, 118, 337. So uh, that's exciting to see that going up uh, for next year as well. So just wanted to give you a, a little update on those things. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 5, and let's begin reading in verse number 18. He says, uh, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Lord, we do thank you that we can come this morning. And uh, Lord, I know uh, many, uh, a lot of kids excited about the party that will be after the service. But uh, Lord, I pray that uh, this morning we would just allow your word to speak to our hearts and uh, Lord, just the songs that we've sung and that have been sung through the choir and the special music. And uh, Lord, just the, the message of these songs points to you. Uh, Lord, without you, we would truly be lost. Without Jesus Christ, uh, Lord, we would all be on our way to a devil's hell. And Father, we just thank you for sending your son. Thank you for your love for us, uh, that you would send him to die for our sins. And uh, Lord, I pray that if maybe there's somebody today... Uh, that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe somebody this morning in our service or watching via live stream or who maybe will listen to this later. Uh, but Lord, they, they're not sure if they're saved. They're not sure if their sins are forgiven. Uh, they're not sure if Jesus is their Savior. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their heart about that today. And Father, for Christians, uh, Lord, as we just think of what you've done for us, uh, Lord, may we desire to draw closer to you, uh, Lord, to be obedient to what you'd have for us in your word today. Bless the service now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we've been looking through this series in Ephesians chapter 5 on uh, imitate, and imitating the Lord, imitating uh, our God, he says in verse number 1, be therefore followers of God as dear children. 
And again, that word follower doesn't just mean somebody just following along behind, but imitating. Uh, God's desire is that we would imitate him in how we live our life. And we've seen that in several areas. We saw, first of all, in love. He says to walk in love. So we are to imitate him in love. And then he says we are to walk in light as he is light. And we saw those. And then last week, we began looking at this third one of walk in wisdom. To walk in wisdom. And of course, we know the Lord Jesus Christ. We know our God is is wisdom. He is wise. If we want to know wisdom, we ask of him, right? So the Bible tells us in James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. So we know wisdom comes from God. And so his desire is that we would imitate him, that we would walk in these ways. And uh, last week as we were looking through here, um, we came down to verse number 17. And he says, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How important it is it for you and I as Christians who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior to know what his will is. But not just to know it, but then to do it. To act upon it, right? If we know that he wants us to walk in love, are we acting upon that? Are we walking in love? If we know that he wants us to walk in light, are we acting upon that? Are we walking in light? If we know he wants us to walk in wisdom, are we walking in wisdom? Are we, do we understand what the will of the Lord is? And last week I asked, and many of you said many different things, that we know what God says in his word. We know these are things that these are God's will for us. And as we continue this, he, he says, at, right after he says, understanding what the will of the Lord is, he says in verse number 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is part of what the Lord wants. Understanding what the will of the Lord is, and one of those things is being filled with the Spirit of God. God wants us to be filled with His Spirit. Paul is not giving a lecture on the sin of drunkenness here, though the Bible does speak against drunkenness. But Paul is using this, right? Think about what Paul is is saying. Uh, Again, we've just read previously in verse number 16 about redeeming the time because the days are evil and understanding what the will of the Lord is. And and you think about uh, someone, a a drunkard, who is basically they've just wasted, uh, they're wasting their their time, they're wasting their money, they're wasting all these different things. It's, it's, It's a waste. And this is what he says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That word excess means wastefulness. And as a Christian, we have to remember that as he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil, we don't, we don't know how much time we have. We don't know what our, our time slot is here on this earth, right? We'd like to think that we have a long time slot, right? We've got 90 years or 100 years, but we don't know that. It could be 20 years. It could be 35. It could be 55. It could be 70. We don't know what our time slot is here. And so God says, knowing that time is short and you cannot get any more, make sure we use it wisely. Don't waste it. Don't waste it like this drunkenness and just a waste of time and waste of money. Don't waste our talents. Don't waste the time that God has given us here on this earth. And so the command, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. Now that command is a present tense meaning that the believer is to 
constantly be filled with the Spirit, right? It's not a one-time deal, okay? Um, how many of you, uh, you went to the gas station this week and you filled up your car? Anybody do that this week? Aren't you glad that gas prices are coming down a little bit, right? Praise the Lord for that. But how many of you filled up your car, right? Now, how many of you, that gas that you put in your car is going to last you for about five years? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, I think if I, I heard a comment just a minute ago when I said, how many of you put gas in the car? I think I heard somebody say every day, right? Um, some of you drive a lot. It is. You're, you're filling up that car every day, right? But I don't think anybody that owns a vehicle, well, maybe I should not say anybody that owns a vehicle. There might be some exceptions. But I think most people that own a vehicle understand that when you put gas in it and you drive, the gas is used up. And you have to put more gas in. Like I said, most people I think would grasp this concept, right? You have to keep putting gas in. If you want that vehicle to go somewhere, you got to keep putting it in. And you'll drive and you'll watch that gas gauge go down quicker than you'd like. And you have to find a gas station, you got to pull in, fill it up with gas again. You understand, that's exactly what he's saying. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not something that just happens once and we never have to do it again our entire life. It is something that has to constantly be being done in our life. Just like we have to get gas in that vehicle, man, it, fill it up, great, but it's not going to stay full. It's going to start going down and it's going to get to empty and guess what you're going to have to do? You have to fill it up again. And this is what he's saying, but be filled with the Spirit. It is not a, a once filled, always filled. Now, please understand, there is, there are, when the, the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, there are two types of, uh, of, of, or there are two things that happen, right? When a person gets saved, they are immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, right? That takes place one time, period. Right? So when a person gets saved, except Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are immediately indwelt. The Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells them, begins living in their life. Right? That's one done. He doesn't ever leave and come back and leave and come back. No, he immediately lives in us and he stays there permanently. The Bible says he is the seal of our salvation. Right? Never leaves. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is different. The filling of the Holy Spirit is different from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And please, 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 make sure you understand this, right? Because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is once. The Holy Spirit indwells us one time, period. But the filling of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes people get this idea that the filling of the Holy Spirit means I'm getting more and more and more of the Holy Spirit, right? Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray to get more of the Holy Spirit. Pray to get... Look, you got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get when, you, when he indwelled you. You can't get any more or less of the Holy Spirit. So what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? The filling of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Not you getting more of him. It's him getting more of you. As we yield to the Holy Spirit of God, he is able to control more of us, right? As we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, then he is able to control those areas of our life. 
Or if we choose not to yield to the Holy Spirit of God, we say, I'm glad I'm saved, but Holy Spirit, you just stay in your section over there. You just stay there and let I'll control my life. I know what my plans are. I know what I'm going to do with my kids, and I know what my job is going to be, and I know all these things. We are saying, you stay there. I'm glad I'm saved, but you stay there. I'll control my life. And therefore, the Holy Spirit has less of you. You still have all the Holy Spirit, but how much does he have of you? You see, that's what Paul is speaking about right here. If we're going to walk in wisdom, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to have all of us. <laughs> I got to say, I am glad when I got saved that God wasn't like, all right, Andrew Stensis, all right, he's saved. You know, I think starting off we'll give him 25% of the Holy Spirit. He's going to get 25% of the Holy Spirit, and, and we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, you know, he really messed up. You know, it's down to 20 now. Oh, man, he had a really good day. We'll, we'll bump that up to 30. He's got 30% of the Holy Spirit, right? Aren't you glad God didn't do that to us? When he gave us his Holy Spirit, he gave us all of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord for that. Then why don't we do that with him? Why are we only like, well, I'm going to only give him 20% of my life. You know, I'll give him my salvation. I'll give him my eternal destiny. But my job? Mm-mm. Nope, not giving him my job. My plans for my future? Nope, mm-mm. Not going to give him that. Not going to let him control that. My kids? No, 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 no. So I'll give him about 25%, but I'm going to still control the other 75%. Do you understand you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit? Not being filled. And this is the command. If we're going to be wise, if we're going to walk in wisdom, understand what the will of the Lord is, he says, be filled with the Spirit. You say, well, why, do we, why is this not a one-time deal and done? Why is this something that we, you know, like putting gas in a car, we have to keep doing more and more? Because let's face it, sometimes we get thinking we don't need the Holy Spirit. We get to think that our plans are better than his plans. And we're like, okay, you know, hey, I, I, had, I had given you my plans, you know, but then you started kind of, you know, the Lord, you started showing me that maybe you were going to call me into, you know, I was going to have to teach a Sunday school class. And, you know, I'm just not, so I'm going to take that back. Have you seen those third grade kids? Mm-mm. <laughs> Demons is what they are, right? No, I'm not, uh, no, no. And what do we do? We take it back. And let's face it, every single one of us is guilty of taking something back that we should have left in his control. And this is why it is a continual process. This is why Paul says, I have to die daily to my flesh. Every day I have to die to the flesh and ask the Holy Spirit to, to continue working in me and continue yielding myself to him. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll start walking in the flesh. and We don't think we need the Holy Spirit. But what we don't realize is when we're trying to walk in the flesh, what's happened is our gas tank has gone all the way from full down to E. And we're trying to drive a car on empty. Can I tell you something? You're not going to go very far. Not, I have, if my car is empty and there's no gas in it, I have no fear of letting my five-year or seven-year-old get in the car and you know, try to drive it. It's not going to go anywhere. I am not putting him in it if it's full. 
I'm not going to have a car left. <laughs> he says it's that constant filling, right? And we have to understand there's this difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he comes and he lives in us, and we are thankful for that because he is the seal of our salvation. He'll never leave us. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is really kind of, am I going to yield myself to him and let him control my life? I've got all the Holy Spirit that I need. I've got him 100%. But how much does he have of me? How much does he have of you? You say, well, how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? I am so glad you asked that question. Because that's exactly what Paul tells us here. He explains to us what the evidence is of a person who is spirit-filled, right? He's going to explain what it is, what that looks like. What does a spirit-filled person look like? Ever wondered that? I mean, does the spirit-filled person, do they look like somebody? Man, they're just, they're just prestigious, you know? A spirit-filled person. I mean, they just have the right words. I mean, you ask them a question, they've just got the answer. I mean, they're just, I mean, you just look, man, they're just. Is that what a spirit-filled person is? It's not what he gives a definition of. Is a spirit-filled person somebody that, as some religious teach, they start speaking in tongues and. I don't even know how to do it, okay? I'm just. But speaking in tongues, is, is that what it is, right? Is that, is that evidence of a spirit-filled person? It's not what he says. In fact, he doesn't even mention that anywhere in here. But watch what he says is the evidence of a spirit-filled person. Verse number 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There's three areas here that he speaks of that is evidence of a person who is spirit-filled. This is the evidence of someone who is spirit-filled, right? Now, again... We must be conscious of the Lord's presence in our lives on a daily basis, yielding to his spirit, yielding to his desire for our lives so that these things are able to be seen through us, right? So he gives us three things here. And notice, I really find it interesting how Paul does this. Notice the first one is inward. The first one is inward, right? Verse number 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So here's the first one. It's inward. It is a joyful heart. It is a joyful heart or a joyful spirit. Someone who is spirit-filled, someone who is yielding themselves to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is getting control of their life, is someone who is going to have a joyful heart. They're going to have a joyful spirit, right? Now, please, don't, don't misunderstand this. He's not saying that somebody that stands up and sings a special, like the young ladies did or the choir, those are the spirit. And that's not what he's saying. He says, speaking to yourselves, making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is, this is inward. This is what is God doing in your heart. By the way, here's the thing. May I say this, and we're going to get to this in a moment, but um, what is in your heart is seen on your face. What's in your heart will be seen on your face. 
joyful heart. Can I ask you, do you have a joyful face? Joyful spirit. Do you have a joyful heart? Do you have a joyful face? Again, think about what he says. Look with me in the book of John chapter 15. Think about what Jesus says. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, notice in verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He says... I want your joy to be full. I want you to have joy. I want you to be, uh, enjoy life, right? Let me tell you something. If anybody ever tells you that the Christian life is miserable, get away from them. Get, just get as far away from them as possible because that is not a spirit-filled person. Jesus says that when we follow him and we're obedient to what he wants for us, he says, I'm, my joy, I'm going to leave with you because I want your joy to be full. I want you to have joy. Now, please understand, joy is not the same as happiness, right? Joy is not somebody just all, <laughs> oh, man, I just got the joy of the Lord. <laughs> I just always, you, don't be crazy, okay? That's not what I'm talking about, okay? People are going to lock you up in a loony bin if you do that, okay? There, but there is a joyfulness, right? There is a joyfulness that is from the inside that will be seen on the outside. There is a countenance that is there, right? I mean, I, I tell you, one of the, the things that I think is the worst is to see Christians that their face looks like they ate a persimmon that morning. You know, it's just like they just stuck a lemon in their mouth and... Praise the Lord, brother. I'm so glad to be in God's house today. No, you're not. Why would you say that? You're not. It, again, it's a joyful spirit. It is inward. This is what Jesus, I want your joy to be full. Look in chapter 17. John chapter 17, look in verse 13. And now come I to thee, he's talking to the Father. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let me ask you a question. Can, and I know, and I know we've never seen a picture of Jesus. You say, well, I saw one. And, no, you've never seen a picture of Jesus. They didn't have Instagram back then. There's no Facebook, no cameras, nothing. You've never seen a picture of Jesus, okay? All right? But just imagine, if you will. Can you imagine Jesus? What must his countenance have looked like? What must Jesus' countenance have looked like? Think about it. You think when... Jesus is sitting there, and the little kids come up, and the disciples start pushing them away. Jesus says, well, suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You really think that's what, you really think that's what his countenance must have been like? I, I don't think so. Again, I'm not saying that Jesus always had a smile on his face, but I'm saying there was just something about his countenance that there was joy that was there. There was something about him that whenever he, there, was, there was something in his eyes, there was a love in his eyes, there was something on his face. And you say, well, Pastor, you're talking, about, you're talking about Jesus. He's God. We can never be like him. He said, I'm leaving my joy with you. That means he wants you to have his joy, the same joy that he had. He wants you to have it. And by the way, that is an evidence of a spirit-filled person. 
a spirit-filled person has a, there's a, there's a joyous spirit. They're singing. They're, they're, they're th- and again, think about what he says. Go back to Ephesians with me there. Right? Think about this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody. Think about these. What is he, what is he constantly thinking about? He's thinking about the word of God. The psalms. Right? And again, I know they could sing them, but they're singing the psalms. They're thinking about the psalms. They're thinking about Jesus. They're thinking about the word of God. And when you think about Jesus, when you think about, man, when they were singing that song that he came to, to be the curse, to set me free from my sins, praise God for that. When you think about what Jesus did, man, I can tell you, you can't help but have joy in your heart when you start thinking about what Jesus has done for you. That's what he wants for us. That is a spirit-filled person. They're, they're speaking to themselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Look, you might say, well, I just can't sing, you know. Nobody wants to hear my chicken scratches and all this kind of stuff. Fine, sing in your heart. There ought to be a joy in your heart. Why? Because it's inward. It's inward, right? But notice the second one is upward. It's upward. Verse number nine, just verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things, and watch this, unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a joyful spirit, which is inward, but then we also have a thankful spirit, which is upward. We're thanking God for what he's doing in our life. This is what he says. Giving thanks, now please help me out here. Giving thanks, and what is that next word? Sometimes, right? Come on, what is that next word? Can you guys put that? Can you guys put verse number 20 up on this on the screen here? Put it verse number 20 up. Giving thanks sometimes, right? Giving thanks always. So why do we do it just sometimes? You see, the evidence of a spirit-filled person, they're going to give thanks. Always. Always. There is a joyful spirit. It's inward. There is a thankful spirit. It's upward. We're thanking God. Can you imagine? Look, I can't imagine this, okay? Uh, I don't, so I don't know why I'm asking you to imagine it, but just imagine with me, right? Paul and Silas, they go to Philippi. They're preaching. The whole, they, they're obe- obeying God. God sends them to Philippi. They're preaching People get upset at their preaching. They arrest Paul and Silas. They beat them. They beat them for preaching. And then they put them in jail, and not just in jail, but they put them in stocks in jail. I would have to say that'd be a bad day for me, okay? I mean, that's just going to be a bad day, right? What would you do? We probably complain. God, what? I, I was just being obedient to you, God. Maybe I shouldn't have come here. Maybe I, maybe I misunderstood what you were saying, God. I thought for sure you said to come to Philippi, but maybe this isn't right because, I mean, look at what's happening. I'm in jail, and, and they beat me, and we're in stocks, and, and this isn't right. And I got Silas involved in this. Silas, I'm sorry, man. I, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. You know, I mean, I thought serving God was going to be great, you know, and now we're in jailing. You know, that's not what Paul and Silas did. When you read in the book of Acts and you read what Paul and Silas did, you know what they did? They sang. 
Why? It was inward. They sang and they praised God. Because it was outward. Upward. They were singing. They were testifying. Now look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I would have done that. I just, I, I mean, maybe God at that time would have given me the grace or whatever, but I, I'm just thinking I've just been beaten. I've just been uh, ridiculed and I've been mocked and my feelings are hurt and poor me. I'm going to start feeling for myself, you know, and now they're putting me in jail and they put me in stocks. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to want to sing and praise God. But a spirit-filled person would. So how do you know that? Because two spirit-filled people did. They did it. This is why he says it is so important for Christians to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because if we're thinking about it in our own flesh and our own things and what we would think, there's no way that we would want to sing. There's no way that we would want to give thanks to God for being imprisoned, to give thanks for, to God for being beaten and put in stocks. We would not thank God for that. We thank God when things are good. That's when we thank God. We thank God when people are healthy. Thank God they're over the sickness. What if they don't get over the sickness? Well, thank God when I, I, I didn't lose my job. Well, what happens when you lose your job? Well, thank God that, that all of our family is healthy. Well, what happens when they're not healthy? You see, we want to thank God when everything is okay. It doesn't take being spirit-filled to do that, by the way. It takes being spirit-filled to thank him always. Always. And this is what he says. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. This is why he says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Paul in jail, Paul beaten, Paul in stocks for good. Paul thought so. Now, please, don't, don't misunderstand me. I don't think Paul enjoyed the beating. I don't think Paul was just, I don't think Paul had a smile on his face when they were beating him. I don't think that he necessarily was enjoying and, you know, just, man, Silas, isn't this, just a, this is better than any vacation, isn't it, bud? You know, I mean, I don't think so. But there was a joy in his heart because he knew he was doing what God wanted him to do. And they were able to give thanks to God, even knowing that these circumstances weren't what they wanted. They were still able to give thanks, knowing that they were doing what God wanted. And if God wanted to, he was going to make this turn out for good. And what had happened? Because of their singing and because of their praising and testifying, what happens? The Philippian jailer gets saved. His household gets saved. Other people start getting saved. Why? Because they were spirit-filled. You ever wondered why maybe more people aren't getting saved? Maybe it's because there's a lot of Christians that aren't spirit-filled. It, it, it took a spirit-filled person to go through that to show there was something different in their life than the rest of the world for that man and his family to come to know Jesus. We want to just be so like the rest of the world that there's no difference. 
God said, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who is spirit-filled. I want you to understand what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord, he says, be filled with the spirit. What's the evidence? It's inward. It's a joyful heart. It's upward. It's a thankful heart. And by the way, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. I like what one commentator said about this verse. The injunction here to give thanks always, it presupposes a deep underlying faith that God can produce good out of even the most unpromising situation. And that thankfulness, therefore, can be felt because of the confident hope that in some wonderful way, God will make even disaster and suffering an occasion for later blessing. You know what the problem is? The problem is we don't believe that. We don't believe that that's really what God's trying to do. We don't believe that God can take a difficulty and turn it into a blessing. We don't think God can take a trial and a problem and turn it into something good. Because if we did, we would truly give thanks always. He says, give thanks. But may I say thirdly, there's a third evidence that he says here. So there's the inward, it's a joyful heart. There's the upward, it's a thankful heart. But notice there's also the outward. Notice in verse number 20. Giving, excuse me, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Here's the outward. It is a submissive spirit. Now, please understand, don't get ahead of me here. Do not jump ahead of me. This is not talking about the house yet. This is not talking about marriage yet, right? This is not talking about the husband, the wife, the children, all that. That's going to come later, right? This is, this is a submissive heart between brothers and sisters in Christ, this is submissive one to another, right? So we've got the inward, right? And by the way, if your inward isn't right, your upward's probably not going to be right either, which means your outward isn't going to be right. If your inward is right, then hopefully your upward's going to be right. But if that's not right, it's going to affect your outward too. And this is what he's saying, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does it mean to submit ourselves one to another? And look, we understand everybody has different preferences. Everybody has different likings and stuff. We get that, right? But what does it mean to submit ourselves one to another? It's being submissive is not having a spirit of criticism. It's not having a spirit of envy or jealousy, or selfishness. See, what happens so often is, is, is we say we, we love God, and we say we love our brother, but when God blesses them, what happens? We get jealous. We're envious at what God did for them, and how come he didn't do that for me? And with, if God does something in their life, maybe God calls someone to, uh, to serve him in a way, or maybe somebody begins to, well, how come I didn't get to do that? Well, maybe because we wasn't submissive to the Lord, right? Maybe it's because we're dealing with a heart problem here and you're not willing to do what God wants you to do, right? But instead of just starting to be envious and jealous, why aren't we submitting ourselves one to another? Why aren't we 
thinking of them more than we are of self. That, when you go to the book of Philippians that Paul writes later to the book of Philippi, he talks about that. We are, we are more concerned about others than we are ourselves. We're trying to lift others up and not concerned about whether we get lifted up or not. We're concerned about lifting up and encouraging others. The secret of maintaining that joyful fellowship in the, the community, in the church, it comes from willing submission of one person to another. If I'm not willing to submit myself to somebody else, then when they do something or they say something that I may not agree with or offends me, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get all, well, who do they think they are? How dare they not do that to me? How dare they talk to me that way? Wait, hold on a second. What happened to submissiveness? What happened to submitting ourselves one to another? You see, a spirit-filled person is going to submit themselves one to another. Boy, it got awful quiet in here. Could it be that it's because we really just don't want to do that? We don't want to submit to anybody else. We don't want to put anybody else first. We want to be first. That's called pride. That's our flesh. But this is what he says. If we're going to be spirit-filled, the evidence is submitting yourselves one to another. There must be a willingness in the church and among believers to serve any, to learn from any, to be corrected by any, regardless of age or sex or class or any other division. Are we willing to learn and help others no matter who they are? Or is it just certain ones? You know, we have, uh, we have the youth service. And I'm so thankful that we have young people that want to serve the Lord. But sometimes I, I feel that, you know, when we have the youth services, we're just kind of, um, we're just kind of patting them on the shoulder saying, good job, good job. But I wonder when these young people preach, do we ever actually say, Lord, what can I get from it? Well, they're just teenagers. They can't teach me anything. Why not? Why can't they teach you anything? You think you know it all? We, we see the young people wanting to serve, and we think, well, bless their little hearts. They're just, so, they're just so sweet. Well, why aren't you serving? Why, why do we think that it's their, that, that's for them? They, they get to do that, but me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little above that. Why? Where, where's the submissiveness? And this is what he's saying. This is the evidence of a spirit-filled Christian. Think about it. A joyful spirit. Joyful spirit. What would the people around you say about you? Around you at work? What would they say about you? Would they say you're a joyful person? Or would they say that you're gloomy, grumpy, and sad? mean what do they say about you are you grateful are you thankful to god that no matter what happens that god is still in control do we have a thankful spirit always even during the difficult times i'm not saying we have to enjoy them but are we thankful and knowing that god is in control and that he can turn it for good do we have a submissive spirit 
By the way, when you continue, and we're going to continue through chapter 5, obviously not this morning, but when you begin looking at the relationship between the home, this is evidence of a spirit-filled home. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have a Christian home. Because you cannot have a joyful heart and a thankful heart and a submissive heart and have bitterness and anger toward your spouse or your children or your children to the parents or your boss or the boss toward the employers. Can't be spirit filled. You're not spirit filled. And this is why he says we have to understand what the will of the Lord is. God's desire for you and I as for Christians is that we are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to live in such a way that is different from the rest of the world. So that the world sees a joyful countenance. The world can see even when Christians go through trials and difficulties, hey, they are still thankful, they're still rejoicing. And even among their own peers at the church and the the community and fellowship, man, there is a submissiveness. Nobody thinks somebody's better than the other and we can't learn from anybody else or we think we're somehow better than... No, no, there is a unity that is there. Why? That is what it means to be spirit-filled. As I am yielding myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is going to be that joyfulness. There's going to be a thankful heart. There's going to be a submissive heart. The more that he gets of me the more that's going to be seen. But the less he gets of me, there will be no joyful spirit. There's no countenance on the outside that shows a joyfulness. In fact, it's just the opposite. There's no thankful heart. There's no submissiveness. In fact, it all goes back to me. Why? Am I saved? If they've accepted Christ as their Savior, they're saved. They've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit but not the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so many Christians are living life without the filling of the Holy Spirit. When God could be using us in such greater ways if we would just surrender to the Holy Spirit and let Him have more of us, God could do so much more through us if we just yield to Him. So can I ask you this morning? I'm not asking you how super spiritual you are or anything like that. I'm not asking you how many times you've read the Bible through or how, many, how faithful you are to church. I'm not asking you those things. I'm asking you this. Now don't, don't end on me yet. I'm not, I'll, I'll go another 30 minutes if you start wrapping up now. You, you think I'm done. I can go another 30 minutes. You know? Don't wrap up on me yet. But think about this. In your life today, in your life this week, Has there been a joyful heart? Has there been a joyful spirit? At home? At work? With family? Has there been a thankful spirit? In all things? Always? A submissive spirit? See, friend, if not, the question is, why not? Why not? If we know this is the will of God, he says, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and he says, be filled with the Spirit. Why aren't we yielding more to the Spirit?
Why aren't we letting him get more of us? Are we so filled with pride and so full of just self that we're just going to do what we want to do? It's going to be seen in our marriages. It's going to be seen in our families. It's going to be seen in our workplaces. It's going to be seen all over. And it's not going to be Jesus. It's going to be anything but Jesus. So can I encourage you this week? Why don't you ask God this week to help you and fill you with his spirit? Why don't you ask God this week, Lord, what can I, what can I surrender to you? What can I give control over in my life to you? And you know what? You might do it today. And you know what you're going to have to do? You might have to do it again tomorrow. And you might have to do it again on Tuesday. You might have to do it again on Wednesday. Why? Because that tank can get full and then it empties. Then it gets full. You've got to fill it back up and it empties. You've got to fill it back up. We've got to make sure that we are constantly walking in the Spirit. Constantly allowing the Holy Spirit to control us instead of us trying to control the Holy Spirit. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, no one looking about. I wonder this morning, friend, maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I died where I would go. But I would, I would sure like to know that heaven could be my home. I would like to know how I could have my sins forgiven how Jesus could be my Savior. Friend, if you're here like that today, that, that is the most important decision you can ever make in your life. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or anything, but I would like to help you. And if that's you today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure where I'd go if I died. I would want to know Jesus as my Savior. Would you just lift your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about, just me. Just slip it up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yes, thank you. Put it down. God bless you. Somebody else. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure. But I would like to know. Friend, in just a moment, the piano's going to play. And if you raised your hand, I'd love for you to meet me right down here in front. Nobody else is going to be looking about. Everybody else's heads are going to be bowed and eyes are going to be closed. But if you'd like to know that, I'll have you just meet me right down here in front. And I'll have someone take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. How you can know Jesus as your Savior. But Christian, if you're here this morning, you say, yes, I know Jesus is my Savior. I know where I'm going to go when I die. And Christian, can I ask you this morning? Are you walking a life filled with the Spirit? Are you yielding to Him? Yes, I know, Many daily, moment by moment, we have to yield to him. I understand that. But are we doing that? You say, how do I know? Well, do you have a joyful spirit? Do you have a thankful spirit? Do you have a submissive spirit? If not, that may be the evidence that you need to see that you're not walking in the spirit. You're not filled with the spirit. Maybe this morning God's trying to speak to your heart and say, hey, why don't you yield yourself to me? Why don't you let me control you? Let me control your life. And that way you can have that joyful heart 
and that thankful heart, that submissive heart. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano is just going to begin playing softly this morning. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Christian, if God's spoken to your heart this morning,